sisters, join the resistance. Come on, let's start by talking tactics. Have a pass and match us. Here's how we practice. The last order conversation. David Jason. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Pop Culture Continuum. This is John Elliott. This is Patrick Riccardi. And, uh, we and have I'm Meryl Streep. Returning Finally, guest. Sorry. I totally jumped in over you, but I'm Meryl Streep and I'm joining the show today. Yeah, so Meryl Streep's going to join us to talk about uh, Over the Edge versus The Return of the Living Dead. Uh, I, I called them trash movies, but I guess they're not really super trashy movies, subject matter-wise maybe, but they're both mm-hmm. like... They're both major studio films. And but we, to, to go into the process of how we pick these movies, Johnson has a list of about 5,000 trashy movies to choose from. <laughs> Michael Marsh chose two, and I chose two, and then John told us what two we're going to use. So I, I'm not real sure why he ever gave us the list. But, no oh my God. Here's what I he totally, said. He <laughs> totally in, gave it away. I'm supposed to be Meryl Streep. Email. Well, yeah, but you're playing the part of Michael. That's how good you right. are. Right. Uh, in the first email, I said we should do Over the Edge because that's like uh, one that I know doesn't completely suck. And then you guys picked some, and but they didn't. They worked better as like their own separate episodes. Because uh, uh, like Troy, wait, wait, Over the Edge doesn't completely suck. I, I might have I I watched the wrong movie. Oh my god. Well, I mean, yeah, it's no, it's no Avengers: Infinity War, I'm sure, but. <laughs> get into I would, this already i will say that like i watched both of them and i will say that there's a character named trash in the second one yeah in night of the living dead so i guess that qualifies as trash. Kind of, well I, I i thought they were like you know kind of teen i don't know juvenile delinquent exploitation movies but they're not really yeah they're they're major motion pictures you guys will get your your turn next uh, but we'll start tell with us, a, tell us why you like them I uh, liked the first one well I saw it when I was nine. Oh, uh, yeah which is when it came out uh, after school special no <laughs> <laughs> I wish after school specials were of this quality no I don't I don't think there were many uh, like the drug stuff in this was just kind of matter of fact it wasn't like when the dude tripped out on acid well let's alright let's start 1979 <laughs> over the edge uh, new Granada, some you know, new suburban planned community. Uh, mm-hmm. They don't really say where it is, and uh, with nothing to do for all the kids and teens in town, so they get into trouble. I mean, that's basic plot of it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the the opening of the movie has this is these this uh, not voiceover a written written thing that talks about how bad graffiti is <laughs> and how how awful it is for towns and how this town is three-quarters children, so the graffiti really ruins things. And then, spoiler alert, graffiti does not really take part in this movie at all. <laughs> Did it say graffiti? Yes. Oh, man, I totally <laughs> missed that. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I saw it when I was nine, and uh, I thought it was cool. But I was nine. I don't know. I don't mind it. I didn't mind it rewatching it. I mean, there's some cheesy parts, but I thought overall it was pretty pretty even-handed like the like i was saying the dude who has the like acid trip there's no like he doesn't jump out a window like he would in an after-school special he just has an acid trip 
I wasn't clear. I thought I didn't realize. I I thought he wasn't having an acid trip, and he just they were showing weird things in art class, and that made him think he was having an acid trip. No, no, because then at the assembly, at the assembly, they were watching the movie on like vandalism, and he was like freaking out there too. (laughs) Anyway, uh, yeah, nobody from this went on to do anything, as far as I know, except for Matt Dillon. But poor thing. Let's uh, yeah, let's hear your your thoughts. Well, I think we know Pat's thoughts. What did you think, Michael? Well, to put it in context, I've never seen this before, and when I saw it, I was like, "This must be a like maybe there's some reason this was made. You know, like maybe it's an educational film or like what the like who was the audience for this?" And I was like, there's no way that anybody thinks this is good, right? Because I thought it was horrific. <laughs> and like, just like totally doesn't speak to any experience I've ever seen or heard. And it's a totally white um, community, gated community outside of Denver that um, it's like a nice middle class gated community. But yet the children are somehow the toughest street kids you've ever seen. <laughs> And I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, why would they be so tough and so, like, um, like ready for violence, despite the fact that they live in, like, this beautiful gated community? Again, I don't know that. But the point was that they had one rec center and the kids had nothing to do. So they were bored into violence. And I feel like the movie, like, have you guys ever seen Billy Jack? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've yeah. Seen Billy Jack, yeah. Right, like this terrible preachy, like um, like learning, learn a lesson every five minutes kind of movie, and I felt like this kind of had the DNA of Billy Jack, but trying to be cooler. I think it was cooler than Billy Jack for oh, sure. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, but like this movie is like what um, Female Trouble or. Um, <laughs> One of John Waters' movies is to me, except it didn't go that far. Like, it should have been funny. You know, kids get so angry that they revolt and they lock their parents in a building and like, smash their cars and set things on fire. That should have been a lot funnier than it was. Well, and the only thing that was funny about it was the fact that cars somehow blew, blew up, up when from you shot a bullet. Trunks. Yeah, I, and that's I always that funny was, to me. That was not even intentionally funny. That <laughs> this movie was not self-aware and any. It was so boring and so. It was really boring. Yeah. I uh, see. I thought. I guess growing up in the suburbs, it. I knew that like kind of feeling of oppression living in the suburbs and just boredom. I mean, I didn't see it. I didn't. I totally get shoot that. Cops or anything, but. I see why you like somebody maybe who had a different suburban experience might think that this is really true for them, because like I, I read after I finished this, I read like the reviews on Rotten Tomatoes and they're great. People love this movie. Like this is considered like ahead of its time and like really true. And there's moments of really true dialogue, but I couldn't get past the like every five minutes somebody was saying we have to give our children something to do. Our yeah. children are trapped in this neighborhood and they only have the rec center and there's nothing to do. And, you know, like it was one of those, like our children are so important and they have nothing. Like they said it so many times and they the, had like, and every character the, said it. The, 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 the crime of having kids speak like adults was, was, was committed many times in this movie. The kid <laughs> making a joke about talking to my secretary yeah, it just didn't work. Like I didn't. I don't know. I just thought it was yeah, but they talk like seven in the seventies. I feel like they thought that like kids 
just talked like smart ass, you know, New York City kids or something. And like these are Denver kids. They'd be dumb as hell in real life. Right? It's the seventies. They don't know shit. Like I could see California kids being maybe a little more tough like that. But this is Denver. The air's thin and so are the brains. You know what I mean? I, I don't really know what you mean, but okay. <laughs> Pat's never been to Denver. Well I haven't either. <laughs> well I have. Um yeah, that's that's interesting. No, I I knew plenty of like stoner kids like this in uh, where I grew up, uh, and and you know I guess you would say juvenile delinquents, not maybe not to the level of of some of these kids, but really most of the kids all they did was get high and go out right. and shoot guns. I mean, at cans, at cans. I mean, <laughs> you mean in practice. real in real life? That's... No, in this movie, I mean, like oh, that. Oh. For for the well until the end, I guess they kind of, yeah they kind of went off the rails at the end. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. I thought it was fun though. I mean, I did think that like, I think it's interesting that Matt Dillon is the only star that arose from this film because the others are horrendous actors. Yeah. <laughs> but Matt Dillon, all he had to do was show up and like look in the camera, and that would have made him a better actor than anybody else in this movie. <laughs> They're terrible. But IMDb claimed that Vincent Spano also went on to be a star oh, yeah. but I don't really yeah, know who he did. that is he's the you don't know who he is no well he's the dude who shot the cop and and jumped the main character right but I don't know what he oh, went what on he's to do done. after yeah I don't know probably you know Disney Channel shit I don't who, who cares really right um, <laughs> I bet Mrs. Spanner does but it was it was uh, I did love the uh, once the cars blew up from a bullet I, I cracked up anyway <laughs> I, I know yeah, that it wasn't. was funny, but I don't think it was intentional. Oh no, it wasn't. But but that's been a, that was a thing before this movie that you shoot a car and it blows up. Um, yeah. I did think like if I was if I was raiding that school, I would have stolen that big white tuba too because that thing looked pretty damn cool. I don't really, I've ever seen the, a white tuba before, but what was the point of the tuba? Like, why did they... I mean, I noticed that, too. Like, when they were, like, locking their parents in the building, who somehow did not see or hear any of it. No, even though they're running by in the halls. Yeah, no. And then, like, the kid... Like, what was the point of even taking the tuba? Like, the tuba made more of an appearance than some of the actors did. <laughs> and then the... um, When the parents were talking at the end, they were in an auditorium, and they were talking about the problem. Like, the kids... Like, the parents were, like screaming at each other it just like it went from like zero to 500 like in terms of like the level of anger when the they questioned the cop who shot matt dylan um but like it was it was like why were like they didn't build up to anything it was just like suddenly yeah no, and, that, I, and that teacher was in that pta meeting and he was screaming at the parents that he has to spend all his time with their dumb kids right <laughs> <laughs> see that's great that's high comedy to me um, <laughs> it should have been funnier for what it was. That should have made me laugh more. <laughs> no, I know what you're saying. Yeah, it, and, yeah. It, talking about it is much funnier than experience, experiencing the movie. It did somewhat have the feel of an after-school special, but it. I think it took a more nuanced approach, as much as you could say it about this movie. I mean, I kind of. I don't think yeah. it necessarily saw the parents as evil or the kids as evil, um, mm-hmm. and and you know the rec center teacher not teacher i don't know the woman who ran the rec center was kind of like the bridge i guess i don't know what the point of johnny being mute was i'm sure that was some kind of metaphor for some shit but or why he answered the phone as 
as somebody who can't speak. Yeah. Right. It's a weird scene. Yeah, there are just, a lot of weird scenes. There's been so many movies since this and about the same sort of thing. Like, did you guys see The Florida Project? I haven't seen it, no. Oh, my God. It seems it's like, like a devastating. Bummer. It's the same kind of bummer. And it's like kids just running from empty house to empty house and, you know, like nothing to do and boredom and et cetera, et cetera. And um, there's just been so much of it that, like, this maybe doesn't – well, I, I think it's probably something that seemed really groundbreaking at the time. In, in its way, you know, the way that like Watchmen seemed amazing when it came out. And as a movie, it seems like the most boring shit you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I, you do, definitely do have to judge these things by the standard of their time to some extent. But it's also fair to judge them as boring if, if that's how you react to them. Yeah, I, I think as somebody who spent like seventh through ninth grade high and drunk every day, uh, <laughs> I related no. to it probably more than... And you guys did, and and you know, just hating this fucking town I lived in. But Pat, Pat, is I he still there? Oddly silent. I'm just just listening. I don't have anything good to say, so I'm not saying anything. It, it does That's surprise not how me this that, podcast works. Pat. It does surprise me that Richard Linkletter says it influenced Days and Confused. Maybe he saw this and said, yeah. "I'm not going to do anything that this movie did and just make a good movie." And that's how he was influenced by it. Well, I I think. <laughs> Despite the bad acting, to an extent, there was like a level of realism to it and to the way kids actually acted uh, at that age. It maybe wasn't seen as much previously in movies. Like it and, felt very real to me as a kid. Anyway, watching it now, you can see all the all the faults. But Kirk Cobain said it pretty much defined my whole personality, and that's why I killed myself. <laughs> Yeah, that's what that's his direct what? quote. That's why I killed well, myself, right? You, you didn't say the second part. <laughs> Interestingly, in the other movie, there's a character named Suicide. Yes, that we'll it, get to that when we get there. We will. <laughs> but this movie also did the thing that I really hate. But I can't say anything. I mean, you can't say anything about it. It's a product of its time. It used the word faggot a lot. Yes, for as sure. an insult between the kids, and like, I it's not the movie's fault. Like that's the way kids talked back then, and probably still do. I don't know, but like it Maybe was in just Denver. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they're all faggots. Um, but it was just one of those things that, like, why are you guys so... I didn't quite get... I don't think it, the movie made a really good point for, like, why the kids were so violent and so, like, angry and hateful to each other when they lived in, like, a fantastic suburb where... I, I grew up in a suburb, and people weren't like that in my... where I lived. Granted, that could be somewhere else. But, um, I mean, what, there was no, like... Where were the gay kids and the um, the drama kids and the um, the fashionable kids? Oh, this was no neighborhood, dude. There, that was not part of the uh, cultural <laughs> landscape in movies. I feel like that's but true. There's, there, there, there was no cliques. It was like this entire school was filled with juvenile delinquents. There was no jocks. Right. There was no. It well, was just everybody who went to that school wanted to blow that school up and burn it because that town was so awful. Well, <laughs> speaking of jocks and michael's point there that was like the graffiti on the wall with jocks are fags yeah. right I, right that was yeah, like the first thing i know i noticed yeah I, and then I, I saw that but there was maybe they killed all the jocks that's what happened that's what's in the prequel <laughs> there I, were no jocks but there were there was there was that was the one thing of graffiti that i noticed in the entire movie yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so maybe that's, I mean, they hated jocks so much no one wanted to become one. Coaches couldn't make money. That's what those Texas people were moving to town for to start the sports program. That's why he put the fireworks in their car and destroyed the car entirely somehow. <laughs> well, at least it didn't blow up from that. Um, and that's another thing. These kids really don't know how to hide. They they hit from the top. <laughs> Get and the cop found immediately. him instantly. And then, well, I guess it worked, but he hid behind that little power thing when the, the he saw where the Texas guy lived. Anybody would see where he was hiding. He could be seen from <laughs> all four sides. Yeah, see, that's exactly that's exactly why they're so angry. Nowhere to hide in the suburbs. <laughs> yeah, and I did like that the little electrical boxes all had those smiley faces on. And that's probably what made them so angry. Yeah, How dare I dare you disrespect Tesla like that. I don't know why I related to it so much, especially at age nine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I think I I just really had a real distaste for the suburbs and and just the the whole sterile environment of it. Um, there was a weird conversation at the beginning. It was a girl that was talking about like I guess she was making out with a dude. But she looked like she was 10, and she was telling the story. It was really kind of creepy. Oh, yeah. She's like, my shirt is half off, and then Matt Dillon comes over and like looks down, and she calls him a sexual pervert, which also made me crack up the term sexual pervert. <laughs> sexual pervert, yeah. Like there's <laughs> other kinds. No, I I know. That, that girl looked really young. I agree. Um, well, what about the other sex scene between the two 15-year-olds? Like, oh, I know. And they didn't show it, but like, my God, that was like the most adult <laughs> <laughs> like, like you know, they they kiss and then the lights go out and you wake up and like he doesn't have a shirt on the next morning and she's, she's getting dressed home, to leave. She's doing the walk of shame, yeah. Right, uh, like that's that was really adult for a movie like this. I thought that was the seventies, man. I guess seventies yeah. in Colorado, everything went late seventies. Yeah, <laughs> right, like right before AIDS hit and everybody had to be careful. It was just <laughs> it was just sex with ten year olds and. I mean, between ten-year-olds. <laughs> oh, sorry, I spoke. <laughs> the, that the sex with ten-year-olds is old Granada. This is new Granada. Is, yes, you're right. Yeah, they had to clean things up a bit. Yeah, this is a much nicer town. <laughs> but I, I also like it was one. It was one of the first movies I can think of that had um, like current musical hits in it. Like it had the Cars and Cheap Trick and stuff like stuff that kids were actually listening to. Really? I didn't notice the cheap trick. Was there a lot of it? There was like three yeah. cheap trick songs, yeah. yeah oh, really? Like maybe even the same song, you mean? No, three different yeah, they songs, had the same, yeah. Three dozen times? <laughs> they had the same so- the same cheap trick song a few different a times. A couple times. That was a little bit weird. Yeah. But... <laughs> which is also a lyric in that song. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like that's the only cheap trick song I know. And I was like, oh my God, this is great. And then it was like, again, I was like, oh. They're doing this again, and then they did it again. <laughs> and it's just their parents. They didn't make a case that the parents were like bad. Were bad. No, and the parents like, weren't bad. I don't think. No. I mean, they just maybe were not. Yeah, they were what parents were like then, for the most part. I think. Yeah, I think that's probably pretty accurate. It's just like now it looks so tame, and like so like humorless and so colorless. <laughs> And, like, you'd never see a neighborhood like that now, like, where there was no black people or no people of any other, any other ethnicity. ethnicity. Yeah. Um, and it's it was just so white, and it just makes you think, like, God, white people are assholes. Um, <laughs> then you did learn something from it. I did. I guess I did. 
<laughs> white people are assholes and homophobes. <laughs> well, all right. That's too bad you guys didn't enjoy it. Uh, I I really didn't mind rewatching it, but it's probably just because of the memories of watching it when I was young. Yeah, I think everybody has those movies. Like when you're young, certain movies hit you. Like there's this movie I saw called Fortress, which is about like these Australian kids who get um, kidnapped in the outback. And when I was a kid, it was the most fascinating and terrifying thing I'd ever seen. And I've seen it recently, and it's like total after school special. <laughs> well, yeah, we we actually did a movie from my childhood that freaked me out, Tourist Trap, that was just stupid. Oh, right. Re- rewatch it, yeah. I, the first DVD I got after I got a DVD player was The Last Dragon. I don't know if you guys remember that. It was produced by Barry Gordy of Motown. <laughs> and it, it was about a kung fu break dancing, uh, whatever, man. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, my God, I love this movie. And I, I could not get through, like, 15 minutes of it when I went. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess it has to do with the history. Not... Not trashy enough to really qualify as a trashy movie. Maybe the maybe the end when they lock all the parents in the auditorium and start setting everything on fire. Yeah, but that's a long way to get there. I think the second movie we do is did is a lot trashier than this movie. Oh, for and sure. A lot easier to like totally get in, get into. Oh, you know, like a, yes, a, not a great movie either, but like so much easier to be like, okay, I'm there, I'm there I'm with going you. Going along for this ride. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think this movie took itself a little too seriously. That's and the second movie does not take itself seriously at all. At all. All right. Well, then fuck this movie. Let's take a quick break, and uh, we'll go into the more uh, beloved movie among we three critics. Uh, hold on. We'll be right back, everybody. We had a comrade, a brave comrade, he could talk for whole days. But then he tried to be a hero, tried talking about Shamiro to computers wearing earphones. He almost died for conversation, hallucinations, good vibrations. Van Dyke Park's greyhound racing, steeplechasing. Dead, the movie that answers the question, was shaving your pubes a thing in 1985? Oh God! <laughs> I I didn't know the history of this. I thought this was I got I get it all confused. It has I nothing mean, I to know do with the George Romero. It does have something to do well, with it. George Romero created that with partner. another dude. Yeah, yeah. He went on to do his own movie. So it's I didn't know that. I thought this was the one in the shopping mall before I watched it. Oh, Dawn of the, the Dead. Yeah, Dawn of the Dead. Okay, so yeah. Uh, that's what I was thinking I was getting going in, and, and it's not that at all. <laughs> What's weird, because the movie does reference Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. As like, oh, that thing that happened, that, and it was 14 years ago. And Well, they even um, say in, they, the, in that movie they made about, he's like talking about the movie and how they changed the movie from the facts, and yeah. Right. But they never say his name, and they, they kind of dance around it, but like, it's this is such a different tonal shift from any of George Romero's movies. Oh yeah. There, this is comedy. Although 
at certain points I was not sure if some of the comedy was intentional or unintentional, but I guess it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I think everything with the, the 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 bumbling idiots at the at the medical factory is intentional comedy, and it's all really funny. <laughs> I think the whole thing is a comedy. I think it's yeah. a black comedy. It's, it gets scary every now and then, but like a large, especially you know, you, it's another one where you look back at the way things are now and what we're used to now. And this whole thing plays like a comedy. Yes. Yeah. Well, but like if you, if we didn't have the walking dead with like truly horrifying zombie situations or even Shaun of the dead, which was truly horrifying in places like we would like not think this was funny. I don't think <laughs> maybe. No, well, I think, I think it's still even the zombie. Oh, I guess not. But I thought they were kind of played for laughs. Do we even care about like, telling the plot basically there's some chemical in some warehouse that gets released and it brings the dead back to life that's all there is to it and it's these dumb teens and and fairly dumb adults trying to uh survive it right the one of the dumb adults is named james karen and he used to play i think either Shoprite or some other supermarket in the Philadelphia area in their commercials. He was the manager of the store. Yeah, James so it was like a local been commercial. in like a billion things. You would recognize I, him if you saw him. I know him from commercials. So it was also, very comforting to see him. One of the dumb old people was Clue Gallagher, who, if he ever did a uh, TV Guide crossword puzzle in the 80s, was always an answer. And I think they still put him in sometimes. Yeah, that Clue, Clue is really clueful. And then Don Kalfa. These are all people you people our age would recognize um, if they saw their faces, he was the mortician uh, who I think he was almost a v- Vincent Price type in the way that you're like, give me somebody creepy, but like amiably creepy. And mm-hmm. then they just called on this dude. But huh. the one thing I didn't, the one thing that took me out of the movie was I was like, what is this preppy chick and this nerdy dude doing hanging out with these punks? There's, these punks would not hang out <laughs> with these people. <laughs> it was so like, oh, let's look at it. Teen magazine and pull one character from every spread. Yeah. And they made no sense together, and they, they would never have hung out together. No, they at least had a, did have one black dude in there with them. So true, you know, a step up from over the edge in that respect. And the black dude lived. Oh no, no, up. Oh, yeah, alert. don't spoil anything. But no, uh, I mean, but he was not the first person killed. I'm sure. 80s. It's hard to have a spoiler at this point. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I did like the ending, but one of the things I... Alright, these are the lines I wrote down because I thought this is actually good comedy writing. And it was at the very beginning when this military dude comes home who, for almost the entirety of the rest of the movie, you're like, why did they show that fucking military guy? (laughs) Um, But they bring back... But he comes home and his wife says... How was your day? And he's like, the usual crap. What's for dinner? <laughs> your favorite, lamb chops. Lamb chops, I had them for lunch. <laughs> Which is pretty genius all around, all those lines of his. And I love that when they wake up in bed later, when like they find out about the, at the end of the movie, the, the people from the medical supply warehouse call him, or call the army, and he ends up you know, being the one they talk to and they cut to the scene where he's in bed talking to them yes and his wife is has woken up and she's listening to the conversation but she's woken up from a sleep she's wearing a a nightgown with a bathrobe over it which is really (laughs) odd for like how 
you know, what you would wear to sleep, but also her face during his conversation, she's trying so hard to like amp up this, the terror and then back off and then yeah. amp up the terror. And then, and I was hypnotized by her face. Oh, in that too. Scene. Well, especially because she doesn't, she wouldn't really know what's going on anyway, especially from what well, he's no, saying on her, the phone. Oh, but earlier she seemed to be really into whatever his work is. And she's like, you'll find it someday. So I guess she just assumes every every phone call that comes at night is something to do with these zombies that she's experienced 14 years ago. I, I guess she never looked in his uh, closet of super secret high tech spy gadgetry. Yeah, uh, he had to put a bathrobe on to you, so he was wearing his robe as well when he went to make the call. So this movie, the the part where it first like like I mean, this is not meant to be a good movie. It's meant to be like a fun, scary romp. Yes. I think, which is what it is. It's great for that. But like, and unlike the, first... the pre- previous movie, the the words at the start of this movie are really funny and ridiculous. <laughs> yes. This movie is based on a true story. Every all names are true and everything. Anyway, all, go ahead. Yeah, all Sorry. locations are true. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that like throws me out of it is when the first. So the the thing that kicks this off is that. In the medical supply warehouse, they they have drums which contain zombies from the original movie that have been stored in these drums by accident for 14 years. And they puncture one of the drums quite easily, and the um, the gas sprays out or whatever, and they're knocked. The two live people are knocked out, and they show that the zombie is like coming back to life and he must, he breaks out of that barrel at some point. Yeah. And, but yet you cut back and you see that these guys wake up sometime later in that room. The barrel is now empty, but they've established that these zombies will eat your brain the yeah. minute they get a hold of you. But this zombie got out of that barrel and was just like, Oh, I'll get these two later. I don't <laughs> it's unexplained. No, they- they were turned into zombies. When that thing came out, they were instantly zombies. Oh, so they, that's... He had, he had no interest in yeah, their brain. It was one it of was them. Zombie brain. They were yeah. brain dead. Well, not really. Yeah, they were zombies. They were yeah, headed that's that true. Way. Oh, okay. Plot hole covered. I guess so. <laughs> I did. And the zombie... The zombies had... Like, they were... They, sometimes they were skeletal, but they had eyeballs. <laughs> it made no fucking sense, dude. Well, how could they see if they didn't have eyeballs? Come on. <laughs> And they could speak. Which <laughs> yes, the zombies spoke in this. Which yeah, that that was apparently trippy. this is the first movie where zombies ever said brains. <laughs> the the uh, the zombie woman, partial zombie that they had strapped down to the table in the morgue later. Yeah, I, I just wanted her to stop talking because. <laughs> Everything was like the pain, <laughs> like so over the top. Speaking of over the top, which was also hilarious, though, the <laughs> screaming of the two men in the medical supply warehouse at first, <laughs> when, when they were like, they probably screamed for three minutes straight, and that's all that was happening. <laughs> that movie and then the the <laughs> when they when they went out and they saw the the dog that had been sliced in half that was still alive yes. <laughs> i think it was around the same time i could be wrong the split the, dog michael that's what they're called in the in medical <laughs> jargon <laughs> the whole thing was it i mean clearly that that a scene like that you put that in there to laugh at more than be scared <laughs> you by have it, to right? yeah yeah and for weirdness yeah totally that was oh my god and then the um 
the whole like why would there be a medical supply warehouse across the cemetery <laughs> from a you know a funeral home where they do their own crematorium yeah <laughs> those things don't exist in the same places usually <laughs> Well, that reminds me that uh, James Karen, that actor, did not want to go out in the rain, so he insisted that he be burned. And the director's like, oh, "All right, <laughs> wow, that's that's an actor who is not willing to commit to his role. He doesn't want to go out in the rain. Jesus, can can you blame him?" <laughs> But we have to we have to cover the most interesting and un- inexplicable part that you've already referenced, which is yes. the, the female of the teenagers with the red hair who decides randomly to strip in the graveyard and dance. Wait, who, who of us would could say we've never stripped in the graveyard? <laughs> well, true. But here's the thing true. about when we did it. We didn't stay naked for the entire rest of the evening. <laughs> well, usually your clothes are, you can't find them. <laughs> well, she was wearing leg warmers, like full leg, leg warmers. Like, what was the point of that? Like, I don't think her outfit had leg warmers before. <laughs> no. She put those on after she stripped. <laughs> so apparently the, the woman who played the preppy girl was played by Jules Shepard. And at the time she was a stripper and they cast her at the strip club and they made her trash. The woman who actually, or who's, yeah, trash who strips. And she said, I don't want to strip. I want the other character. So they, <laughs> they got someone who didn't work at a strip club. So they're really uh, casting against type. Wow. I never would have guessed that of the of the preppy chick. She, but yeah, she was but a stripper. It worked. They're, uh, they're casting against type, I have to say. That, I, I've seen this movie before, and I saw it first time I saw it years ago. The one thing that stuck out to me was this character same, oh same and, here i think we talked about it briefly michael at yeah, work like, yeah why she has red hair and is totally naked the whole movie i mean before she gets killed she has and the fact that she gets to say exactly how they're going to kill her like 15 <laughs> minutes before it happens like my worst fear is that i would be killed by old men who've come back to life and eat me alive <laughs> and surround me Right. And then that's exactly what happens to her. It's like, oh my God, are you kidding me? But when she was... says it, she doesn't even say like it's a fear. She says it like she wants it to happen, though. That's, yeah. <laughs> She's yeah. reading it on the script, like from <laughs> six pages ahead. That's going to be my best scene ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then she runs around the whole movie. I mean, alive, she runs around naked yes. with those leg warmers on. And like, you know, sitting in the car. And trying to like hide with her friends, I'm like, oh my god, she must be freezing. <laughs> well, she says that, can't you give? Like, she grabs the the shirt or something from the girl next to her because she needs she doesn't have a towel because <laughs> they're all so wet from the rain. But she would be in the best shape of being wet because her clothes wouldn't be soaked. Your skin's just kind of that's self-dries. true. That's true. And she's, I mean, she's, I mean, you've said it. I, she's completely um, like bare. She's like vag out naked. Yeah. Right, and but like it's shaved, full badge. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, and it doesn't make any sense no. at all. But she's literally the one, the most terrifying because of that that weird like aspect of her. And, to me, like she's the one that and, stands out. Like, mm. and because of your innate fear of women. Well, yeah. <laughs> but I've also thought, wouldn't it be, be a great drag outfit? You know, to like to, to drag to. To get a nude suit and just put on leg warmers <laughs> and a red wig. <laughs> it would be. I wonder how many people would get the reference. 
I bet you in this city in the, where yeah. like, they would get it immediately. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I know. I saw. I mean, I feel like I probably saw it close to when it came out. I I don't even know. I might have seen it like with my high school girlfriend. No homo. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but then I can't not, picture I mean, her be, watching that, that as far either. As, as far as we know, that could be now. <laughs> My girlfriend's out of high school, I'll have you know. <laughs> You're not even in high school at 10. I mean, GED, but still. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that that was the one thing I remembered about this movie, too. Um, but it did... Uh, there were a lot of violent scenes that were funny, and I think mm-hmm. probably were supposed to be like when they stuck the pickaxe in that one zombie's head, and it, it just didn't <laughs> stop it at all. Yeah, and that one zombie was so weird looking. It was like he was wearing a rubber suit. That, yeah. that first zombie. The first was... zombie that was like yellow, yeah. Yeah. Well, he was a cadaver, right? Yeah, so he'd he was been, frozen. Yeah. He'd been frozen. Was, but still, that didn't explain that, the color to me. That was like such a different, like that's not the way Night of the Living Dead was. You know, they died if you destroyed their brain. Like you didn't. Like, they didn't keep living no matter what you did to them. Yeah, in this, yeah, even this... if you chopped them up, their arms were still moving around if it was a yeah. severed arm. Yeah. These zombies were not only impossible to kill, but they were really clever. It was like, bring more cops, bring more paramedics, and they <laughs> they hit out until they showed up and took them all down. Oh, I love the scene where the zombie cop was waving that whole squad yeah, of cop yeah, cars yeah. in. <laughs> and then they just ambushed them all. And, and Yeah, and then he ran to get some brain for himself. i I actually liked that all these dumb people kind of got there got what they deserved in a way um well totally that's kind that's kind of mean spirited but it's a it's just a dumb fun movie anyway so i didn't feel i don't see how the kids deserved what they got oh they were all stupid as hell dancing naked in cemetery there's nothing wrong with that (laughs) the no she should have lived but the the preppy girl who wanted to go in with her and hang out with her boyfriend, even though the paramedics had just said that he had no pulse, no heartbeat, <laughs> nothing. They know there's zombies out there, and they know he was sprayed by chemicals. She sh- he should have just eaten her right away. <laughs> he should have. Didn't happen, then, but... Those guys took forever to turn into zombies, too. It was like the end of the movie before <laughs> that happened. Yeah. <laughs> and as you said, uh, what's his name? Karen? Uh, yeah, I can't remember. Name. James, James Karen. Karen. I don't. Know. Frank was that his name in the movie. Yeah, maybe. He... Who cares? Uh, he he just jumped into the uh, into the crematorium himself, I guess, in <laughs> in some kind of act of selflessness. But now we know it's just because he didn't want to go out in the rain. <laughs> I love that. Like like the um this this the first the, the the actual black and white Night of the Living Dead is like so groundbreaking in so many ways. Like there's a black lead. Yep. You know, like the and you don't even realize it. You're totally like like the lead of that movie is a, an African American man and that was so rare at that time. Yes, what, sixty eight, sixty nine, yeah. Yeah, and everybody else like pretty much dies. And when he gets killed, he's shot by the police. Yep. And in this movie like there's a black character who kind of like stays alive through most of the movie, but it's in no way as respectful as, um, or as groundbreaking. And then when, when they call the military and the military just drops a nuclear bomb, (laughs) if that's what they're doing, 
if that's what that that was, I took that as a nuke. I uh, that's what, what I took it as, especially with the the it was showing the houses in the distance and the the explosion. Yeah, I don't know why. I took it as a, a nuke from everything in the scene except from the weird cannon it's shot out of. <laughs> right. <laughs> Shut up, but like ev- a circus cannon. <laughs> yeah, everything else about it's scream nuke. Yeah, I like that ending too because there is like, I noticed there's like five minutes left of the movie. I was like, how are they gonna wrap everything up? Is this is really quick? And then the bomb goes off. I was like, oh, that's how it's easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, just fucked everybody. <laughs> another similarity to Night of the Living Dead, both pretty dark endings. Um, yeah, but this one also funny in a way. Yeah, and this one more clearly is set up for a sequel. Well, I don't know if it actually was referenced in the sequel to this, but... Did they make a sequel to this? I think they did. I think there's a part two, at least. There's part two, there's part three, there's something called Necropolis, and something called Rave to the Grave. (laughs) Rave to the Grave. Well, sounds like we got some future episodes. And I like, um, I really like the way, like, at the end of this movie, when, I mean, this is no spoiler, obviously, because the zombies never stop, but when that <laughs> final skeleton, like, pops up out of its grave, and it's suddenly got eyeballs, and it, its mouth opens, and it's like a rock, like, like a rock song starts singing, like it's singing, you know, like it's like. <laughs> yeah, it's singing that <laughs> terrible, like, 80s hair metal song, Yeah. <laughs> Twice, that song was sung twice, right? Yes, it was. Party yeah. time. Zombie version by 45 Grave. Yeah. So bad, but like so fun to watch every now and then. Like, I don't think I'd ever watch Over the Edge again, but I would watch um, Return of the Living Dead again, just like if there was nothing to do and I wanted something stupid to watch. But yeah, like I, I didn't like there was hardly a scary moment in any of it. It was just fun. No. Yeah. Like I said, even the violent moments were funny. So. The non non zombie version of Party Time is a song about a five year old girl who is brutally raped, abused, and killed by her mother and friends. Oh my god! And it's called the Zombie Party Time. Is <laughs> the zombie version is not quite as dark. Oh my god! Wow, that brought down the whole conversation. Oh yeah, That's no. What the I'm ori- here for the original version was the one used in the film. I guess zombie version was just on the soundtrack. Um. Oh my god. Yeah, that was the '80s, man. That was that was something special. <laughs> yeah, the tone of this <laughs> kind of reminded me of They Live in a way, where it was it was comedic mm-hmm. darkness. Yeah, not as good of a movie, but no, no, sim- yeah. But uh, Roger, to... sorry. Ahead, sorry, I was just gonna say Roger Ebert gave four stars to both movies we've done today. Oh boy. <laughs> I was watching, but I watched both of them like back to back when I watched them. And I will say that like, I saw the similarities of like, I could feel the similarities of like the, the teen rebellion in the first movie and the swelling of the zombie horde in the second movie. And I was way more believing that the zombies would like just be like, it would just go to chaos so quickly. Whereas like with the teens, it was just like, Oh, there's no goody two shoes in that group. It was like, no, I'm going to stay home. I'm not going to do this. No, everybody was like smashing their parents' cars and like locking their parents in and burning barrels and, and all that kind of Stealing shit. Stealing tubas. And shooting at cops. And like, I was like, no, no, there's, you know, there's some like goody two shoes girls and pigtails or some like frightened boys who are at their parents' home right now. But we never saw that. And 
with the zombies, they can just be, they can all be terrible. And it's just much easier, to believe. <laughs> oh, that was another thing over the edge I wanted to, I forgot to bring up was when, when the cop gets shot with Claude, I think is the name, main character's name, <laughs> in the back seat. And they go into that, they crash into that building and it catches fire into the rec center. Um, Claude reaches for the keys, doesn't even try to help drag the cop out or anything. He just gets no, himself he out of the car and runs. And then the building blows up as well. So that's another. They always say, save yourself first. That's so he true. was saving himself first so he'd go back in, but that didn't happen. I was thinking maybe he could tell that the cop was dead. Yeah. You know, maybe the cop was I mean, he did seem dead. like a medical professional. So Another probably. thing to true. go back to that movie is is it that every single kid in that town except for three of them went to jail? That's what it looked like, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And it ended with that, that scene on the bus, you know, or whatever. And it was. Have you seen Napoleon Dynamite recently? No, not for like, not that, since it was in theaters, I don't think. I yeah. never saw it. I think that movie starts and maybe ends with this, a bus ride scene that's very similar. <laughs> like where he, he ties his He Man to a string and he throws him out the window and he's like dragging <laughs> He Man along. But like it was. I, I wondered when I saw it if Napoleon Dynamite was referencing that movie. <laughs> Apparently, it's an influ- influential movie. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> yeah, no, this one's definitely more fun. I, I get. I think we can say this one wins. Yeah, this one. There's this. Yeah, I don't see any reason to watch the other one. I can see fun reasons to watch this one. And to think we had 500 movies to choose from. Yeah. yeah, and somehow we chose these two. So we're <laughs> so weird. You guys, well, we already, we know we're going to do. Uh, that list was so weird, though. It's called Trashy Movies, but with no lie. How is that trashy? Did, oh, did I include that on there? Oh, I don't yes. know. Yes. I guess it's What's like that? an independent B movie. Oh, Michael's never seen with Nail and I. Michael, you would like that. I'm almost positive. What's it you about? It. It's about, uh, it's like the two 80s. Two guys that go on vacation. No, it's set in the 60s, isn't it? It's about this know. actor, these two actors in like London, I mean, acting school mm-hmm. type actors who decide they need to get away from the city and all the drugs they've been doing and stuff and go to the country. It's, I it, I can't really spoil it to say anything. You would like it. Oh, I'm positive, I, well, actually. We should do that sometime. All right, we'll do that. Yeah, well, I think it was an independent movie, Pat. That's why I probably included it. It wasn't like a big blockbuster but you know we can do we got to do nude for satan versus troll too i think oh absolutely i was so excited to do nude for satan (laughs) it can't be that good i haven't seen it but i i'm betting the title's the best thing about it but absolutely positive it's terrible and that's exactly why i want to see it (laughs) (laughs) yeah but it'll be terrible in fun ways unlike over the edge it was just terrible well did you have you seen troll too pat Nope. Okay. Yeah. We yeah so we've that. never done Troll Two. I'm oh. shocked that we have never done Troll Two. Well, I don't think we should do. We should do Troll One because we're not going to understand Troll Two. <laughs> there is no Troll One. That's the best part about it. Like Troll Two is like the producers were like, I know if we call it a sequel, people will want to see it. <laughs> and Troll, there is no Troll One at all. And troll oh no, 2... I had. I don't think we should do. We should do Troll Two versus that Trolls movie that came out this year. No, oh, with the, Nick, I'm not watching that shit. <laughs> no, that's that means we definitely have to do it then. If John doesn't want to watch it, it's practically the same movie. <laughs> exactly. I don't have that one, so I guess we can't do it. Um, <laughs> all right. You have ways to get movies. I've heard, hmm? and it's on Netflix. 
Recommendations, Asians, Asians. Let's go to it. Michael, what do you have? Oh, let's see. I just watched um, on Amazon Prime, I just watched A Very English Scandal. Have you guys seen that yet? No. I talked about it. So it's oh, with Hugh Grant. Grant. I haven't yeah. seen it now. Yeah. And it's a little like, some of it's a little um, dry, right? But it's actually like, it's by the guy um, who, well, you wouldn't know who this is. Anyway, um, it's, it's, how dare you? <laughs> Russell T. Davies. Pat might know who this is. I oh, never Russell heard the whole T? story. You think I don't know Russell T. Mm-hmm. He did the original <laughs> English version of Queer as Folk, which is a Showtime series that ran here, too. Anyway, influential. He's like the, the British Ryan Murphy. He's like right? the British over the edge. Kind of, yeah. And it's just it's about Hugh Grant in this in the fifties or sixties where he has a, a homosexual relationship with a very young, flamboyant gay man, and like over the years, how like after they've split up and break up or whatever, how this guy seems to haunt him, and it's it's very like darkly funny, and Hugh Grant comes up with a plan to kill him, and at every turn they fuck it up. Like, at every turn, everything that could go wrong goes wrong. And in the end, I mean, this is all based on a true story. In the end, like, he ends up in, like, court being tried for this attempted murder over the, you know, over the 20 years. And it's really funny, and it's um, wickedly sort of, like, um, uh, dark. And um, I devoured it in, like, one day. And it's only three episodes, so you should definitely oh, nice. cool. Is he? Yeah. And is he a politician or something in it? Is that... He is. He's playing okay. Jeremy Thorpe, who's a politician, in, and which makes all of this more of a scandal. Because he's also married to a woman at the time. And, like, homosexuality was illegal until, like, the late 70s, I think, in yeah. England. And so even anybody finding out about it would be a huge scandal, much less the fact that he's hired the world's most inept um, uh, murder team to <laughs> hit, hit this guy. And it's just crazy. And the guy's a little nuts, too. Um, but um, it's it's really entertaining. And for three episodes, you can watch anything. Yeah. Oh, I'll definitely get on it. I'm looking for something. Uh, do you mind if I go, Pat? Go ahead. Because I don't. I don't want us to do the same thing, but we might. Uh, won't you be my neighbor? Ah, that was mine. I should have went first. I have seen that too. You have? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know if you would like it. I mean, since you hate emotion and stuff, but I, <laughs> I, uh, I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. I cry once I started crying. I didn't stop crying and tearing up the entire movie. What I it, expected to, but I didn't cry. But I just thought it was really, really it's good. Because you're a fucking robot, dude. Jeez, I've seen all, a lot of the stories before, so it was, it was, it was all cried out, like the whole thing in front of the Senate and I, yo, stuff with the, yeah, I'd seen the but Senate. But did either one of you actually watch Mr. Rogers when you were a kid? Yeah. yeah. Wait, John said yes. What did you say, Pat? Yeah, I did. Oh, okay. and then my sister watched. My sister was watched it like when I was older, so I, I watched it for a long time i always liked it it was never one of those shows i was like oh i'm too young old for that i never saw it this is like it's like one of those things just escaped me because my parents had like i grew up in the country and um like you didn't have cable you had like the box with the rabbit ears or whatever yeah yeah so i like we could i never even saw sesame street when i was a kid oh they were like no learning for you michael (laughs) <laughs> oh, right, exactly. You you see that book? You learn to read that, and that's basically that, what I had. That actually sounds like a a good way to parent. 
<laughs> well, I had to read. I am so literate. I can't stand that. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, I didn't know anything about it, but I did find it to be very sweet. And there's, without saying any names, there's a strange connection to our company um, in that the producer of this movie, the executive producer, yeah, is the man who owns our company. Did not I didn't, know that. I was totally shocked. It's the first name you see. Why when you did I not movie. pay attention? Yeah, I didn't know that. But I was like, wow, I've never really had a conversation with that um, person. And I'm sure he's super nice. I don't know. Um, but like, wow, like I didn't even know we were connected to, or he was connected to oh, uh, producing films. Yep. T- I've had conversations with him, mostly about music. I'll go talk to him about this. See if yeah. he'll finance my... Uh, my documentary. What's, What's it about? What's your, yeah, Elvira. <laughs> I would I would watch that. I don't think he would produce that. Is the problem? <laughs> but well, include her secret house. She looks exactly like she did when she was thirty. When she's seventy five years old. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, she's a vampire pet. I don't think that's much of a secret. I think she's retired now, right? Wasn't this her last year? I oh, think, oh, okay. I think she is. Yeah. Um, my my Elvira knowledge is actually pretty deep. You'd be surprised. <laughs> no, I don't think we would be surprised. <laughs> Again, neither of you are telling me anything I don't know already. So you were going to recommend that, Pat? Yeah, I'll recommend. There's a instead of that, uh, there's a sh- a PBS show that you can find on Amazon Prime called Poldark. It's about this British show. It's it's one of those British, British shows. shows? That, no, no, it's it's kind of like Downton Abbey, but it's set in Revolutionary War time, and it's it's fun. It's I've never watched Downton Abbey, so I don't know if it's anything like it. But anyway, this guy is in the Revolutionary War, and he's on the the losing side, and he gets hurt, and everyone thinks he's dead, and he comes back and to an estate where his father's been, his father's dead, and he has to revitalize everything, and and it's all it's all written in really broad terms. Like there's evil guys and there's good guys, and it's it's just a fun little show. Sounds like a lot of fun. Thanks. <laughs> and it's got the vampire from Being Human, right? Is that oh, that I didn't. movie? What is? Did you ever watch no, Being Human on BBC? Oh, okay. It's Aiden something. Yes. Adrian, yeah, something. He's the star of it. He's he very was, good. He was in that Hobbit movie where they filmed like the dinner in the in real time, and you had to watch like a thirty-five minute meal in the first Hobbit movie. He's in that oh, too. I didn't see that. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I didn't either. Jeez, I didn't know you were such a nerd, Michael. Well, I feel like I, if I didn't watch it, then I heard somebody else talking about it. But I did watch it, so I, 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 I never watched the other two. I only watched the first one of those movies. <laughs> it was such a perfect book for a movie. The, the book is short. It's like an hour and a half movie. It's, but they had to have add all this stuff to it to make it three movies long. So I didn't bother watching any of them. Well, they already made a movie of it. It was animated. It was in like 1978 or something. Right, didn't right. They? It was it was like a one of those terrible old animated the shitty movies. animation. Yeah, yeah. So, are you saying that that's all we can have is is crappy animated version of it? Yep. Okay, that's been Sounds done. Good. Nobody I'll ever live. remakes things. Um, Never. I do want to see before we go. I want to see that Boots Riley before movie. you die. Uh huh. Which is imminent. <laughs> yeah, it looks good. Um, it's out already. Yeah, Wait, no, I know that? it's out. It's called what are you talking about? Sorry to bother you. Oh right, where he plays a um, he uses David Cross's voice to play a telemarketer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard that's really good. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I have to say. Uh, Sounds great. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Michael. Uh, oh yeah. We'll do more surprise movies anytime you guys want because you know what I have. So. 
Can we can we promise to one day um, watch and examine when they're both out on like streaming or whatever? Mamma Mia and Mamma Mia, here we go again. Yes, because... I'll promise to do it. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how much of Pierce Brosnan singing I'll be able to take, but. I really got caught up in Mamma Mia. <laughs> like in like when when it first came out I was like, Oh, this is garbage, but I'm just gonna watch it. And I was watching it um this weekend and I was like, This how did they do why? Like every <laughs> song literally um I don't know why I'm even going off off on this tangent, but I will say that every song, like when they're singing, they're literally illustrating what they're singing about. Like, you know, um like with SOS, they're like, they're doing, Can like you semaphore hear me? and shit. Right, and like people are like holding up pieces of paper that say SOS, or like they're like calling out to each other. Like it's so ridiculously pantomimed, and it's so bad. But yet there's a sequel and shares in it. Shares in the sequel, yeah. There's so much to talk about when those two movies are finally available. Oh, well, so let's see that for the future. Here's my question: After Mamma Mia, are they using like really second-rate ABBA songs in the second one, or are they reusing songs from that they use in the first film? What I've read is that they are reusing the same songs plus a few others, but it's like a flashback movie. So you're flashing back to like when they were younger, so, which sounds like great. I know, but um, that it's like better singers, maybe. Oh, that's singing good. the same songs. I was thinking, but like, yeah, why would I want to see this in this same? Why would I want to see this again? <laughs> but yet they got the whole cast back. And you still watched it more than once, so <laughs> it's so wait, bad. Wait, it's it, hilarious. You're just so you, basically you're just pimping your own two movies. We have to do. Thanks, Merrill. Well, <laughs> that's why I have so many Oscars. All right, that's we, all. Yes, we'll do. We'll do the Mamma Mia uh, movie. I'm sure it'll be a trilogy at some point. Uh, what a great idea! We should write a third. Yeah, they haven't. <laughs> Yes, and, and who will we write in, Liza? On your show. Mamma Mia at Christmas or something. <laughs> right? You got, yeah. You got, it's got to be Dolly or Liza uh, that you're going to add to the next one. Uh, wait, Fantastic. Is, is Liza as beloved as Judy among the gay community, or is she, like, is she anathema? I think that she is. I think that she gets a pass on anything that she does. Okay. Got it. Like I think that she's as she's gotten older, it's getting a little harder because she's you know um, can't sit on a stool for more than like four minutes or whatever whatever her issue is with her vertigo. Like that vertigo thing is real. But, oh, like, I didn't know that. Yeah, she's. Oh, that wasn't issues. just a Arrested Development. No, it's it's something she really point. apparently suffers from, but it's not as like constant as they made it. Maybe sense. she didn't have it before Arrested Development, and then like they put it, it into out. her mind. Yeah, made her have it. Doesn't she only marry gay men? Maybe that helps her. That so, too. That's Elizabeth Taylor. No, uh, that's well, not true. She had Richard Burton. Well, and and Liza. Liza has married like two or three gay men. Oh, that's that's right. I, I totally forgot about that. Well, not surprising. And then I guess they she is beloved amongst the gay community. That answers she's that. Two or three of them for yeah. a little while. I've seen her live, and there were no straight people in that audience. That was a very gay event for sure. So does she, I guess she thinks I don't actually know. So when you see her live, is she just? Falling off the stage and telling stories. <laughs> well, she. When, I would love that. She's all in the orchestra pit. 
she kind of she comes out and she tries to talk for a little bit and tell little stories and sing and then she's like oh i need to sit down and she'll sit in a chair and then she's so uncomfortable in that chair that she'll have to move to a different chair and then but she never stands up for more than few minutes either like she's got like she's got like a body like judy garland did which is like a imagine like a pumpkin on sticks like her legs are super skinny and she's kind of pumpkin shaped up top and like she's just kind of like oh my god is she gonna make it to the next chair um you know and she might sit at the piano bench for a while like she's just totally all over the place she should just get herself a fainting couch and lie on that the whole show wasn't she in Gossip Comms recently for either saying she didn't like the person who's playing her mother in a new movie or did did like her? Have you got, did you guys see that story? Nope. Yeah, they're be reading some different magazines than I do. <laughs> Interesting. The, the, the woman from uh, what's that Hugh Grant movie where she's like the employee? It's it's based on novels. Oh, and she was uh, in Bridget Jones' Diaries. Yeah, the woman from Bridget Jones' Diary is playing Judy Garland, and I think there was like there was a rumor that Liza Zellweger. Yeah, unless I'm making this all up, which is certainly possible. And there was a rumor that that Liza Minnelli was like, she's perfect, she's going to be great, and then she specifically came out and said, no, I did not say any of that. (laughs) We should watch the Judy garland um like a tv miniseries <laughs> from the 90s it's really like there's there's some scenes where like the actress has to gain weight and um it is the most ridiculous looking prosthetic weight gain you've ever seen <laughs> i'm down i'll see if i can find it well, see liza is another one of those pat and i have talked about this well i've talked about it too pat one of those that kind of freaks me out like wayne newton and those people who who just seems so showbiz that like there's not actually any person there, and right? It freaks me out a little bit. Um, you know who else does that to me? Carol Channing. Oh yeah. Hello, darling. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. And that's another one I've seen live. Um, and Carol Channing. She, yeah. I have, is I it like her. a variety review type thing? Stories well, and songs. When I saw her, this is going to sound even... Are you sure it was really her and not a drag version of her? (laughs) And how are you sure? I know there would be no way to tell that. Well, I will tell you, I know because she was introduced by Tommy Toon. Oh. How about that? So I went to IP... really impressed by that. I was... (laughs) Tommy Toon is in Arrested Development Season 4. Did you know that? No. I I don't even remember Season 4. I never finished it. And then they recently, sorry. We're like, yes, I so was long. surprised by that. They re-edited it. Yeah. I watched and I the rewatched re-edited. the newly edited. And yeah, he's in it. He's he's in um, um, uh, Tobias's like um, uh, Fantastic Four thing. musical group. <laughs> yeah. I didn't I, see. I was watching that and there's so much I didn't remember. I thought maybe they added a bunch of stuff. I, I did not remember him at all. I didn't either. And he's he's he plays. Liza, oh, sorry, not Liza, Lucille 2's brother. So he, Lucille 2 is Lucille Ostero, and he mm-hmm. plays, oh God, something Ostero. What is his first name? It's something ridiculous, like <laughs> Doberman Ostero or something but ridiculous. But it's a major part. Like He's in it yeah. a lot. Well, you, a see, lot. You're mixing it up with Over the Edge again there, Michael Doberman. Oh, right. Yeah. Right, that's didn't even catch their names that's how interested in that movie was wait wait but i gotta hear what this carol channing show was like oh so tommy toon um introduced it and he um this was like 
a year or two ago. And he was like, Carol comes to these, you know, these gatherings of gay men that we have in New York. And she sits down and she tells these amazing stories, right, of her career and her life. And everybody's just wrapped with attention listening to her. So he talked her into taking the show on the road. And what happens is he comes out and he does a little dance and like a little um, like preparatory, like prepping the audience for what this is going to be. And then the curtain opens and Carol Channing is already sitting there and she's um, dressed just like you'd expect, but she's <laughs> sitting. You never see her stand. You never see her try to stand. It's clearly, you know, she's an old woman. There's probably issues. And um, like was she he ever starts a young woman. Well, it never seems like she was ever no. young. No, she always looked old yeah. like, or, or something. But um, she and Tommy Toon, like, he keeps her on track, but she tells stories about her life that I could not remember a single one because they were not <laughs> worth the $95 <laughs> ticket or whatever I paid for it. But Tommy Toon is like, well, remember, Carol, when you told me about what, blah, blah, blah? And she was like, oh, yes. And then she would go the, go into the story, and you're like, okay, this was really worth it. And literally 55 minutes in, the show was over. Like, it what? was just done. Like, it, they just the curtain came down, and she was done, and that was the end of it. Because she just, like, started rambling. Oh, I got to get some dog food. And... Yeah, like, he was, was like, like 100 she... She's like 105 years old. How long do you want her to talk to? <laughs> She's really old. But the show was just, it was so abrupt. It just ended so abruptly. And you never, like, it wasn't even a show. It was just like a conversation with her. But it was at the, you know, Curran or something. One of the big theaters here in town. Oh. And um, it was packed. And people were dressed up. And it was all gay men, trust me. And it, it was just like, it was this big event for the audience. And she was on and off. She herself probably wasn't on stage for more than half an hour. And there wasn't even anything like, uh, this one time I double teamed Frank and Dino or like, no. <laughs> no, like the stories, whatever they were, I'm sure they were fan sure they were very sweet or funny or whatever, but like whatever they were, I couldn't remember a single one because they were nothing that you would want to hear again. Yeah. You know, it was just <laughs> like, oh, she's done. Liza is much more mobile and much more engaging and, and much, like 30 years younger, yeah. right? Uh, maybe only like 20 years younger. I don't know how old. Carol's probably in her 90s. Let's see. 97. Since your audience is dying to hear about this. Let's see. Carol, I'm sorry. You, did you look her up already? Yeah, yeah, she's 97. So she's 97 and Carol. Oh, uh, yeah. Liza Minnelli is 72. Oh, so yeah. You're right. There's almost 30. There's about, Almost 30 years. Wait, so who are going to be the icons when, like, all these oldies die out for you? Hmm. That's a good question. Who's, who's in the, who's in the, you know, in the hopper waiting to... I'm worried about that. I feel like <laughs> we have the same level of star that we used to, right? Well, that old it's showbiz not... type thing is just diet, diet out, basically, yeah. right? It's not going to be like Julia Roberts. You know no. what I mean? It's not no. going to be... Christy Lady Gaga. Lady. Maybe Lady Gaga. Maybe she will be corny enough to be like that kind of character when she's older. She's already close to that now. Um, I don't know. That's a really good question because I don't think that Celine Dion. Maybe no. Um, oh, I could see that actually. <laughs> like, who is in all the Broadway shows now? That's like funny and there's Patty nobody. Lepone? But she's Patty Lepone older is already as well. An icon. Yeah, she's already yeah. a wonderful icon. Um, I think that we're kind of lost. I don't think they'll even be around after this generation goes. Huh. 
But then we'll probably be dead soon after. So. Yeah. So who cares? Leave. Let the young, let the young gays figure it out for themselves. Yeah, exactly. They don't care anyway. They have Beyonce or Adele or um, Cardi B or any of those people. They can, they'll make do. Yeah. Yeah. They'll be all right. Also, I don't know who Cardi B is. <laughs> oh, she had a really good song this year that I liked, um, but I don't know much about her either. I, I need a Cardi B primer someday because I have no idea. I've tried and I can't get into it. I think she's, she's she had a song, not a song. She was playing Coachella, and she got the gig before she was famous. And after she became famous, she she needed to spend a ton of money for her for her performance because it had to live up to the expectations of the rest of her tour. So playing Coachella actually cost her a lot of money. <laughs> Wait, what? What she had to pay money because her show was no good? No, no, not that it was no good. That originally she just was just going to do like a bare bones performance, but in between the time where she booked the gig and the 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 Coachella actually happened, she blew up. And I guess her people said that she didn't want to be doing a performance that was not like didn't live up to her tour. So they right. had to pump a bunch of money into it. Oh, so I she, see. Okay. I was going to say I want to refund some Cardi bad B. shows. Yeah, pets. Pat is uh, the young generation. Interesting. Of, uh, Just a man of mystery. Yeah. <laughs> uh, write to us at popculturecontinuum at gmail.com. Pat, do the rest. Like us on Facebook. Rate us highly on iTunes and write a review or just rate us highly. And most importantly, tell your friends and relatives and anyone you come in contact to listen. All Even those... put up little poster boards. Yeah, all those dickheads, you know. I uh, I think we should just do an episode where we talk about celebrity gossip because this is more fun than talking about the movies. Um, Pat seems to know a lot about it. I yeah. love celebrity gossip. Uh, all right. Well, thanks, Michael. We will have you, you bet. back. Yeah, thank you. I'll, I'll be back for the Mamma Mia sure. trifecta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not for like 17 years they do a third <laughs> movie. Well, I'll be here. <laughs> All right. Until then, goodbye, everybody. Bye. Goodbye.